Hi, Wine Delusters. And in this episode, we're off to the Hilltops region. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. My name's Janine and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land which we're talking about today, the Wiradjuri people, and pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging. You've likely seen the word hilltops on a bottle of wine, but did you know where it is exactly? This region is located between the towns of Young, Burrawa and Harden in central New South Wales. Young is the biggest of these towns and it's famous for its cherries in the summertime. Your Instagram feed may have also been full of the beautiful, vibrant yellow canola fields in the spring and they're around this region also. The Hilltops has a very strong agricultural industry, particularly for stone fruits and wool. As the name implies, it's a high elevation of 600 metres or higher, making it a cool climate wine growing region, perfect for growing grapes. It was my first time to the region, so I met with committee member of the Hilltops Vignon Association, Jane Adams, who gave me a bit more information. Welcome, Jane. Welcome, Jane. Tell us all about the Hilltops region. Why should people visit? Well, it's a very easy drive mm. to, to come to the Hilltops from Canberra, and it's also very easy if you if you come down from Sydney and you want to actually visit both the Canberra region and the Hilltops region. You can, for example, spend the night in Murrum Bateman, and then you're already this side of Canberra. So it's it makes a, a really lovely long weekend, and you can actually cover both regions. Hilltops was originally founded, I guess, on Cabernet and Shiraz. In more recent time, several of the vignerons in the region have expanded their plantings to incorporate alternative varieties and not necessarily just red. So one of the things that I've said, that I've described the Hilltops as a little Italy, I mean, that's a very broad, because obviously there are lots of sub-regions in Italy, but there are a number of varieties here that have been planted with huge success by the vignerons. And if you think white varieties, um, Pinot Grigio mm. thrives here, Prosecco thrives here. One of the newer white varieties is Fiano, mm. which is actually a southern Italian grape variety. But one of the regions it's been planted is because it's actually one variety that seems to do quite well if we're facing climate change. It actually is a good variety to grow because it seems to be able to withstand quite hot temperatures. But there's several of the producers here with who've planted Fiano. The Real Review just rated the Freeman Fiano number one Fiano in Australia from the 22 vintage. Wow. It says a hell of a lot about the capacity of the region yeah. to grow fabulous grapes. So then if you take you know, what's happening in the hilltops alternatively into the red zone, you have varieties like Sangiovese, uh, Nebbiolo. Mm. Tempranillo grows well here too. And other people have small plantings in the region of grapes like 
Graciano, Nero Davila. So there's there's quite a lot of yeah. innovation. And so far as I can tell from talking to the vignerons, they're really pleased with what's happening. It's a really good grape-growing region. Yeah. And I think that comes at about partly elevation, so it's quite high. Yeah. Continentals climate, so it even if it's a really hot day, and the last couple of summers haven't been that hot, but there have been summers where, you know, 40 degree days, it still cools down at night. And grapes like that, mm. it's called the diurnal range, and the, the deeper the dip between the maximum and the minimum, the happier the grape yeah. is fundamentally. And it, it helps that slow ripening and flavour concentration ultimately in the grape. And there's also the soil type. Soils in the hilltops region obviously vary, but they're red loam soils that are blown here over eons from central Australia. Wow. So if you look out yeah. in a lot of vineyard sites, you will see quite red, dark, you know, brick ready yeah. coloured soils. And they're well drained. And the whole area sits on some serious granite rocks. Which is good. Which is good. And there's also sort of underground aquifer. So there's underground water. So if you get a really dry year, that you don't have to sit there and panic, Mm. many of the vineyards can then use bore water, which is very good quality. So there's not a salinity issue and that sort of thing. So there, there are a lot of things in the region that are natural gifts, I guess, if you want to grow... Grapes. Yeah, and mm. so I know that there's like the cherry festival in December, but is there other is there wine events in the hilltops region at the moment? Or? Not a traditional event like that where you get one thing in the year. Um, Burua does have the running of the sheep. Oh, we're so excited for that! What is that? <laughs> well, it's the Burua annual festival, and obviously a couple of graziers are lent upon to lend their sheep, and they herd them in to a yard somewhere and like the running of the bulls, bulls in Spain, <laughs> they have the running of the sheep and they run down the main street of Borua on one Saturday in the year. It's funny. There's also a kite festival every year in Harden, which is very popular. Yeah. In spring, the other thing that draws people uh, is the canola season. So you get all these paddocks just stretching as far as the eye can see that are golden yellow and they're absolutely beautiful Mm. so people come here for other aspects of agriculture the orcharding the canola the sheep but we're all about trying to make sure that people come because it is a wine region and it's tricky to communicate that because it's not like you're going down a main road and you see grapevines You've actually got to come into the hilltops region, to the core of the region, and the vineyards are then, right. if you like, in that triangle between Burua and Young and Harden. If you get to that triangle, then you realise that there are. This is a, a wine region. But I think it's um, it keeps the whole family happy, doesn't it? You've got all these events for the kids, and then great wines for mum and dad to enjoy. Yeah. So. It's a region that's being discovered. Yes. And one of the ways that it's being discovered, in fact, is through some of the winemakers who buy their grapes from the Hilltops region, but they're actually located in other regions. 
and on the label it says Hilltops New South Wales, so that it's denominating the, the origin of yeah. the grapes, no, I, and know. that's helping promote mm. the region, and more and more winemakers are looking to the hilltops. Thank you so much, Jane, for that. That's really interesting. Thank you. My next guest is Tom from Ballina Clash. I met Tom in his cellar door. As you'll hear, I don't know much about farming, but Tom was very gracious with my ignorance. This is a great destination spot, providing pick-your-own-cherries, wine tasting, and all your cherry supplies. They also run regular events. Please welcome Tom from Ballina Clash. Welcome, Tom, to the Wine Deluxe podcast. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Janine. Now, we're at um, Ballina Clash, and this is a real family affair business that you've got here. You've got your mum and dad and their six kids. That's right, yeah. Yep. And you all work so, in the business? Yeah, so I've got two brothers home and myself. I've just come home this year. And then another brother in Wagga, he's an engineer, and two sisters over at Perth. But they all come home and give a hand when... So this was first an orchard, and I guess it's cherries or lots of stone fruit? Cherries and stone fruit. Predominantly cherries is the main thing. Moved into the grapes as well, so... And so with the cherries, that's what Young is really famous for. You've got a picking your own orchard here, so that must be going gangbusters in the summertime. Well, we started out doing commercial cherries, and then we moved into pick your own, and now we're all pick your own, um, and we've got the cellar door in the shop so all our cherries are sold either through Picayune or through the shop here because the thing i didn't know till quite more recently there's tons of different types of cherries it's a bit like with grapes there's tons of different types of grapes which i'm a bit more over yeah yeah they're different varieties and different characteristics and yeah we try to grow varieties so we have a longest grow season as possible and what sort of cherries do you have so we grow Rons, lapins simones supremes there's a, few of, there's a few yeah. more in there, but yeah. And so yeah. what's the difference between them? The like, um, different acidities or like the sourness and things yeah, like that? Yeah, you'll get a little bit of difference in flavour, but then size and colour is a big one. And then when they come in, so yeah, trying to get that long growing season and also <clears throat> managing a little bit of risk. So if we get a rain event at the start of the season, we're not wiped out. And likewise, if we get a rain event at the end of the season, we can just manage that risk with the weather a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think when you're not a farmer you forget about those things it's a lot of risk management i guess isn't it yeah too? well it's all really <laughs> <laughs> and so in the 90s you guys diversified into growing grapes yeah so mum and dad planted the first grapes in 97 i think um and i'm pretty sure it was just shiraz and cab Sav. and then yeah they sold them for or oh, 10 years just to suppliers yep other wineries and then we made our first wine under the Ballina Clash label in 2005 I think it was. And um, so can you tell me about the wines? So you've still got the um, Shiraz and Cab Sav? Yeah yeah so we've got Shiraz and Cab Sav growing a little bit more other varieties so moving towards the Portuguese and Italian and mm. Spanish varieties so we now have work Ballina Clash on this block we've got Shiraz, Cab, Viognier, Riesling, Barbera and Nebbiolo. Oh, right. And then we've got another little block just five minutes down the road near Wombat. Yep. And there's Tariga, Fiano, Tempranillo, uh, Chardonnay and Grenache there. So, wow. So yeah. you've got tons of different grape varieties. Yeah, yeah. We've sort of started to slowly graft over more varieties onto those older vines. We're trying to 
grow grapes that grow well here. Not like we don't grow a Sav Blanc because we find it probably doesn't. It's while well, it's on trend, it's probably just doesn't do us well here. Probably you need a bit more altitude. Mm-hmm. Same with the Pinot Noir. Noir. So um, yeah, we do try to grow yeah. grapes that fit this climate and soil. That's exciting about all the Italian and Portuguese ones and that, because there's some of those ones like Tarika and that you don't hear about very often. No, yeah. And they are sort of coming back into trend a little bit. Yeah, I think um, so. Because so. that's like about 10 or 12 different varieties, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So most of them we're producing for a Ballon Clash at the moment. Yeah. There's a few that we haven't got a Ballon Clash label on yet, like the Barbera. It's still coming into its own. Mm. It's only a few years old. Same with the, oh, we'll make a Tempranillo this year. It's uh, be, was grafted over a couple of years ago. Oh, great. Um, so most of them, yeah, we are making, we're trying to get that variety yeah. in our range, I suppose, yeah. Do you guys do, do the wine making as well? No, so most of our wine's made by Chris Therese in Orange, and he does a really good job. We're really happy with what, how he's been going. Yeah. So what's your best seller? That's a good question. We don't make large quantities, so we do generally try to sell out within two or three years i guess hilltops in general is known for its red so our cab and our shiraz yeah are are very good wines they seem to get the awards Mm. but in terms of selling at the moment like the trega riesling is very popular at the moment so yeah what whatever's popular seems to sell well yeah but in terms of getting the awards our cabs have is very consistent Mm -hmm. and our shiraz is also and then you also do some other things, like you've got jams and is it, do you do ports as well? Yeah, it? sauces and jams, there's a bit of everything there. Um, Mum does most of that. So we've got the kitchen behind you, commercial kitchen put in, and that sort of just goes hand in hand with the pick your own cherries mm. when we have the crowds through here. And also using up any fruit that, you know, seconds fruit or um, any of the byproducts from it. So the... Mum makes cherry pies, which are sold in cherry season. And do you do cherry pie making classes as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. That, yeah. that would be so. great, actually. I wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they're, they're, they're pretty good. And you go to the commercial kitchen, she, she runs those classes. Yeah, so she? in there. And then there's a byproduct of the cherry juice, which is then made into cherry cordial or hot black cherry sauce. So mm. that's how a lot of those products came about, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So cherry sauce, tell me, what can you, what do you make with that? The hot black cherry yeah. sauce. So it's like a Worcestershire sauce. Oh, really? So have it with your eggs or on a barbecue or marinating meat, yes. So cherry reserve is... Sort of a fortified wine. Made from cherries? Made from cherries, Oh, right. And then we've also got a cherry wine. But, yeah, then there's a... This is a cherry cordial and there's a hot black cherry sauce. So they're the byproducts of the cherry juice. The cherry wine, is that a sweeter wine or...? Yeah, yeah, it is sweet. Like, um, it's not like a dessert wine or it's is It's not it... a sticky, like a, but it is a, it is a sweet wine. Definitely, has, you can taste cherry in it. Mmm. Um, oh, yeah. how interesting. So the name Ballina Clash, was that what the orchard was called or was that, was that yeah. your family gave it that name? Or? So my grandfather, he moved over here from Ireland mm-hmm. in the 60s. He married an Australian girl, my grandmother. And they, uh, Mike was my grandfather's name. He lived on a farm in a dairy in Ireland that was called Ballina Clash. So, yeah, he, he bought this and then called it Ballina Clash. Oh, great. Yeah. So that family tradition. Is there any special festivals that you guys have on during the year? So the Cherry Festival's probably the big one. That, Is that uh, in December? It's in December. Generally the first week of December, I'm pretty sure. So we, 
attracts a lot of people. But um, there's plenty to do year-round in Young, I suppose. And it is an up-and-coming wine region, mm. but it is getting there. Like in town now, there's a nice restaurant, the Cranfield. There's a couple of other cellar doors. It is getting there as a, pl- as a bit of a destination. So, I agree. And it is producing really nice wines. Definitely. I guess it's an up-and-coming wine region. It's a bit of a hidden gem. Thank you so much for your time. My next guest is Brian of Freeman Wines. We met at his lovely cellar door on a cool late May afternoon. Brian, who's the winemaker, is largely inspired by Amarone wine, which comes from near Verona in Italy. Making Amarone wine is really different to the usual winemaking process. And it also uses Corvina grapes. And Brian is the only producer of these grapes in Australia. I really enjoyed this chat. I found it really fascinating. Please welcome Brian from Freeman Wines. Welcome, Brian. Thank you very much for joining me on the Wine Delos podcast. I am very interested in knowing about the grapes in your history because I think you're doing something so unique here. But firstly, can you tell us a bit about your history? For a decade, I was the Professor of Wine Science at Charles Sturt Uni, and it was really from there that I was interested in the tannins in grapes and in wine, and particularly in the Italian varieties, because the Italian varieties have a lot more tannin than the French varieties, and it's a matter of how that's handled in the vineyard, and also in the winery as well, to get a balanced wine. But that leads to the structure of the wines, and that's what fascinates me, is just the mouthfeel and how the wines taste. So can you tell us a bit about the grapes? Because I've had one of your Secco The Secco, yes, it's actually a unique wine. It's inspired by the Amarone wines. To make the Amarone wines, the Italians dry the grapes for three months before they ferment them. And they end up with very intense and quite big wines. We actually dry some of our grapes in a prune dehydrator so that we can control the drying process. Whereas if they're drying naturally in autumn when there's high humidity, they can get botrytis in the grapes. And that was a thing that I wanted to avoid. So we dry the grapes down to raisins in seven to 10 days mm-hmm. and we put those on the bottom of the fermenter and crush fresh grapes over the top of them. So it's quite unique. It's, they're not all dried in this particular wine in the Secco and it also captures some of the primary fruit flavours in it as well from the fresh grapes. And so can you tell me about the Robusta? Well, the Robusta was inspired by my daughter did a vintage in Italy. Yeah. And it came out of that that she came back with a head full of ideas and one of them was to dry use all just Corvina grapes and semi-dry them all. And that's what we've done with the Robusta. And so it is a real similar take on a Amarone style, but we dry them in the prune dehydrator again, so we've got control over the drying process. So the drying process, the reason for drying them, one of them is that the grapes are very late ripening. And now we still have Corvina grapes on the vine. Yeah, and this is late May. Yes, that we're about to harvest. Um, The issue is that there's very high acid levels in the grapes. So they've got 12 grams per litre of acid. And if we dry them, that will actually concentrate the amount of acid that's in the grapes. 
So well, it could end up with very acidic wines. But that the drying process was, I believe, just to actually try and get the grapes riper. But it does change the tannins completely. You mm. end up with masses of ripe natural grape tannin in the wines without any bitterness going with it as well. No, um, yeah, the wine that I have is superb, so I'm looking forward to trying other ones of your, your wines. So did your daughter do her vintage in that yes. Amarone area? Yes. And mm. were you inspired by wines that you'd had there in the past, or do you think the Hilltops region climate is similar to there? Or Well, it was inspired by wines that I'd had previously, which was the fascination about how the, the tannin management yeah. It occurs with these Italian varieties and it is very suitable. There are a lot of similarities between the climate around Verona and mm. here. We're slightly higher in elevation but they're both major cherry growing areas and that's been on for hundreds of years. I did not know that about around Verona. Wow. It's north of Verona yeah. is that there are a lot of cherries growing. So that's the climate is quite similar in particularly in autumn, where we get these warm days of 20, 25 degrees during the day and quite cool temperatures at night, of down to 10 degrees. Mm. That intensifies the, the flavour of the grapes. So how long have you had your vineyard here for? I started planting here in uh, 89. Right. And we bought this particular vineyard here in the winery in 2004. So Prunevale was originally set up as a soldier settlement area mm. that after the Great War there were 23 diggers who came back here to grow plums to produce prunes to keep the empire regular. Failed on a couple of counts. They were given a block of land, 50 to 60 acres, they were given a house and they were paid a wage for seven years. When they came into production the depression hit and most of them left at that stage. Oh gosh. Yeah, that was a very hard generation, that, what they went through. Was, yeah. yes. But there are only three of the original prune trees left, and we've got two of them, and our neighbour's got one in his chookyard. When I was driving in, this is a massive vineyard. It look, Well, it looks very large, yeah. So there's Covina, and what was the other... Rondinella. Rondinella, because that's another one that is... Um, it's quite unique. Yes, and so you've made a rosé out of that as well. I made a rosé out of the Rondinella. And we make a couple of wines, or we make three wines out of the, the blend of them. So the other one is our Rosso, which doesn't have any dried grapes in mm -hmm. it. And that's a lighter Pinot Noir style flavoured wine. With a Pinot Noir style wine with primary fruit flavour and just some fairly soft, slippery tannins. Yeah. And it's a wine that can actually be chilled in summer. Fantastic. it doesn't have masses of tannin in it. Whereas if you chill a red wine that has a lot of tannin in it, the tannins can't get out of balance and it mm. can dominate the wine totally. Well, perfect barbecue wines in summer then. Yeah, that well, sounds is, great. Yes. And so you've got also a Fiano? Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a Fiano Pinot Grigio and we have a Sangiovese and a Nebbiolo as well. And a Prosecco? We do Prosecco. Um, but we also make a pet nat out of Prosecco. Fantastic. Well, pet nat's very popular now, so that's it certainly is, great yes. um, for summer and everything. How did you get the grape? You're the only people that have planted this in Australia. That would have been quite the exercise to source the grapes? It, or When I was an academic, 
the, a colleague of mine was in CSIRO in Merbin and that was part of the major plant breed, great breeding program they had going, which they released several varieties um, from that breeding program, but none of them have really taken off in a big way. But they had imported varieties and Rondinella and Corvina were what they had in their plant collection, their vine collection. You said, oh, and I got some cuttings <laughs> from this. And everybody else wanted them, or what? Oh well, after that, they destroyed the collection because they were concerned they might have had viroids and viruses in it, and so they actually asked me not to propagate them and give them to anyone else. I saw on your website you've got like a two thousand and seven vintage, so that's like a fifteen year old wine. So these are wines that age really well. They certainly do, and that's because they have a lot of natural tannin in them. When we make the Seco, that when we first make it, it is very dominant in tannin. The tannins are quite full on the wine. Um, in fact, it puckers your mouth because of the amount of tannin in it. But it doesn't have any bitterness. It's just an overload of tannin. So we age the wines in old barrels for three to four years, and they're still quite tannic, so we bottle them. And we bottle age them for another couple of years before we release them. And the current release we have of our Seco is 2017. But we, a few years ago, had a tasting, a retrospective tasting of all the vintages, and they're all standing up incredibly well. And it's because of that tannin on the palate that the wines will never become what we refer to as a donut wine. They won't get a hole in the middle palate, so they can continue to age for years and years. That's fantastic. And have you, um, I mean, I'm probably sure you have, compared your wines with the ones from Italy? Other people have compared them. Third-party people who assess them have done that. And, yeah, a lot of people have thought that they were Italian wines. So it's the style, that the dry, savoury style of the wine is quite different because the Italian attitude is to have food with wine. So if you're going to have... Uh, drink wine you always need to have a meal with it or if you're going to eat food you need to have a wine with it so it's that sort of culture that allows these savory style wines to really be appreciated with food you know you hear of obviously Chianti and Brunello and things like that but like I know that um, it's very prestigious in Italy actually and your price point is a lot less than the ones in Italy I don't think it's filtered down to Australia just yet. Not or... very much in Australia, yeah. for sure. But in the UK, Amarone wine is quite popular. And right. on the east coast of the US, there's better understanding of it. Mm. The bottle in front of you yes. is the Quintarelli Amarone. So that particular wine there, that vintage sells, you can currently buy that for $1,500 a bottle. Wow. And it's empty. <laughs> Was it good? <laughs> it was a superb wine. It's just amazing how the attention to detail that they do. They dry the grapes on racks and they go through each bunch and snip off any berries that are not perfect. That's very labour intense. I think the dehydrator sounds yeah, less we, labour. We take a lot of care with it. We have to lay the grapes on racks and build them up and put them on trolleys that are put into the tunnels and it's mainly the air that dries them. Prunes are dried at 80 degrees C, whereas we dry our grapes at 35 to 40 degrees C. Wow. 
And at that low temperature, because I was really concerned we would get caramelised sugars, and that happens with prunes at 80 degrees C, whereas at 35 to 40 it doesn't happen. So it's mainly just dry air that's blowing over them. So how big is the prune dehydrator? Oh, it's about half the size of this room here. Wow, so it's massive, the, like a couple of metres wide. and No, it's be narrower than that. A yes, metre so wide and a couple of metres long or something? Sort of 1.2 metres wide. Yeah, and probably about four metres long. So built, the trays are yeah. built up on yeah. trolleys and just pushed into the tunnels. And so you leave it there for a week and then you have to do another load like well yeah. we can get seven tons of grapes into one tunnel wow okay that's huge yeah mm. so how much um would you make each vintage of these premium red wines we're making very small quantities so in total sort of 500 to a thousand cases right that's really great that's so interesting i really appreciate your time so some other things to see and do I love the local festivals that Jane outlined earlier. The running of the sheep in October is part of the Irish Wool Fest in Burrawa. The town of Burrawa is renowned for its merino wool and they have a week-long festival in October to celebrate and showcase the local wool. The Kite Festival in Harden is a family-friendly event with kite decorating workshops, petting zoos and local music, also held in October. The National Cherry Festival in Young is held in December. There are tons of events, including cherry pie eating competitions. There's also live music, a parade and fireworks. There are several cellar doors in the area, but you do need to check in advance for opening hours and to see if you need to make an appointment. Some of these include Chalkers Crossing, Lockwood, Grove Estate and Trendari. Many of the dining spots in the area are big supporters of the local food and wine. For example, the Cranfield Restaurant, Wine Bar and Providor opened last year in Young to rave reviews. Their aim is to hero the Hilltops region. Also in Young, you can pop into the Hilltops region cellar door. It's located at the Visitor Information Centre at the historic railway station. In Burrawa, there's a place with the best name ever, the absolutely superb Bibliotheque and occasional wine bar, describes exactly what it is, a both a wine bar and a bookshop. They also have music and literary events, and they proudly feature wines from the Hilltops region. Yeah. Yeah. So some quick stats on the region. Young, Burrawa and Harden are about 30 to 40 minutes away from each other. Approximately two hours from Canberra and three and a half hours from Sydney. It's best to have a car to get around this region. For accommodation, there are lots of motels and houses for rent. Young, being the bigger town, has the most options, but there's also places outside of each town. The wines to try. While the region was built on Cabernet Sauvignon and Shiraz, it's really expanded to include a lot of Italian varieties, such as Fiano. There are several cellar doors to check out. Check to make a booking in advance. Australia is full of these great towns located in between the major cities. It is so worth the detour to soak up some history, see where our food and textiles come from and enjoy some fabulous wines. And the Hilltops region is a perfect example of this. 
Until next time, happy wine travels. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to winedelust.com.au. That's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T dot com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels.